0: Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston.
1: This Sunday sermon was given by guest speaker, Reverend Amanda Goldbeck. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresEvanston.org. First Peter 4, verse
0: 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gifts each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, center us in this moment. Help us focus on your word and help us open our hearts to your spirit at work in each of our lives. Amen. There is a saying by theologian Karl Barth that has floated around among preachers for years. The saying goes that we must hold the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. This week I found a more accurate version of the quote where Barth proclaims, "Take your Bible and take your newspaper." and read both, but interpret newspapers from your Bible. This week, as I wrestled with our scripture text for today, and took in the events of our world, I kept coming back to this quote. It is tempting in times like these to compartmentalize our lives, to protect our faith from the world, and to be unsure of how the words of the Bible, the words of our faith translate into something beyond thoughts and prayers. Our emotions can overwhelm us, consume us or leave us numb. Equally the depth of our hurt of the hurt in our world, the regular occurrence of so much pain and suffering, hatred and evil and make us approach the realities of our world as simply normal. As I spoke with colleagues this week, many pointed to the painful truth that gun violence like that witnessed in Uvalde, Texas, among other acts of violence, are so common that it feels impossible to speak into each of them. It is a sad and angering truth, but a truth nonetheless, that we have to contend with. Neighbor is killing neighbor daily in our country and around our world. And we are called to confront this reality, to struggle with it, and to address it with the full weight of our faith. Faith and everyday life are inseparable, which is what Karl Barth is pointing us towards. We don't come here on Sundays to sing a little, encounter God's word, say a few prayers, and go out into the world as though what happens here, what we speak here, what we pray about here, what we proclaim here, doesn't matter, speak to, or change what happens out there. There is no point to any of our worship. If we don't understand it and live it as an important piece of the larger fabric of our faith, life, and God's continued presence and work in the world. This summer in worship, we are focusing on exploring what it means to be created for community. Scripture points us to the reality that following Jesus cannot be an individual or solitary activity, but calls us into community and relationship with one another. Today, we are specifically looking at the role of hospitality in connection with community, how hospitality fosters community. It is easy to take a topic like hospitality and turn it into a comforting discussion on being welcoming to the stranger or an underlying approach to membership growth. I challenge us today to bring our faith and life around us in line with one another, to read the news of our world through our biblical text for today and ask ourselves how the hospitality exemplified and commanded through scripture requires us to act in our community and world in a way that breaks the pattern of violence, pain, and suffering that we witness all too often. Our scripture from 1 Peter points us to the eschatological liminal space that believers live in the time between Christ's resurrection and Christ's return. It directs us to the foundational principles of what living a life of faith means as we journey between Christ's resurrection and the second coming. Our text begins, The end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. The journey of faith is long. We don't know God's time, which is what makes staying alert, keeping our eyes open to the world difficult. The gift of the resurrection is great hope and wholeness for our lives and world. And yet, every day we are confronted by the ways in which the kingdom is still struggling to find its fulfillment. earth. Our tendency is to avert our eyes, to block it out, or to fall into such despair that we lose sight of what we have been handed through the resurrection. When we keep alert, we are able, as our scripture directs us, to pray. Not only to pray, but to pray in such a way that our prayers are not only words, but are the actions that we live by. Our prayers become the love and hospitality that we are directed to live out in the latter verses of our scripture. The text reads, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace and its various forms. Let's unpack this, beginning with the section on love. Sit with this line for a moment. Above all, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Does it? does it? Does love really work that way? I am tempted to say no. I find myself bristling a little bit at the thought. It seems too simplistic, too much like a model that supports brushing things under the rug. But before pushing back on it too hard, it is important, like all scripture, to put it in the context of the broader biblical narrative. The love that we are being challenged to pour out into the world around us is not shallow, hallmark greeting card, cute valentine card kind of love. It is, it is a manual God with us kind of love, God doesn't ask us to do anything that God hasn't first exemplified for us. God so loved the world that God sent the Son who suffered on the cross that we would experience the all-consuming, transformative love of God. That, that is the love that it is talking about. Love is what has and will continue to transform each of our lives. Not love that doesn't hold us accountable. Not love that makes excuses. Not love that expects nothing from us. The love poured out on each of us that we are called to pour into one another is love that acknowledges our humanity. We are not perfect. God knows that, and yet we have been given the gift of God's grace. Our challenge in building community is sharing love with one another in a way that accepts our humanity and pushes us to be better. Nadia Boltz-Weber, ELCA pastor, author, and speaker, in an interview with On Being podcast host Krista Tippett, was remarking about how she warns future new members of her church community. Boltz-Weber explained... I say to people at our welcome to house, these are welcome brunches, I'm glad you love it here, but at some point I will disappoint you or the church will let you down. Please decide on this side of that happening if you will stick around because if you leave, you will miss the way that God's grace comes in and fills in the cracks of our brokenness and it's too beautiful to miss, don't miss it. The love that is foundational to Christian hospitality is love that weathers the painful and difficult moments of our humanity. Love that we share in the midst of tears, anger, awkwardness, and disagreement. This love is what we build hospitality around, which is why it is fitting that the next line of scripture following the command to love is the, uh, is the command to offer hospitality without grumbling. I think it is fair to also include in this discussion the act of accepting hospitality without grumbling as well. There are many aspects of the biblical witness that are foreign to us today which make understanding the original intent of the text difficult. Hospitality may be one of the hardest concepts for us to truly understand. American culture is distinctly different from that of the biblical world around this topic. Hospitality in biblical times was fundamental to life. To travel anywhere required people to participate in acts of hospitality, either on the giving or on the receiving end. Think of the Christmas story and Christ's entrance into the world, or the Emmaus text, where through the act of hospitality, eyes are open to Christ's presence. Hospitality in our culture, generally speaking, tends to be countercultural. Our individualistic culture should suggest that being on our own, doing things on our own terms is better than giving in to the expectations of a group. Engaging in hospitality feels like it comes with enormous obstacles. Will I be accepted? Will the event or the meal or the group be awkward? Will the group experience disagreement over something? Will I be judged? Then add into this the fast-paced, overbooked nature of our lives. Not only are we fearful and uninterested in engaging in hospitality, but offering it feels equally difficult. We don't have the time to clean the house or prepare the meal. We are desperate for time that is just our own. Suddenly, hospitality is this complicated and seemingly almost anachronistic reality that the Bible is calling us into. It is, and the very nature of hospitality feeling out of sync with our current experience, that points to the way in which it can be transformative in, break, in breaking, that it can be the transformative in breaking of God's kingdom that we desperately need in our world. We were created to be in community with one another. The way in which we cultivate and experience community is through hospitality, both offered and received. Hospitality that follows the example of Christ. Jean Twenge in her book, Why Today's Superconnected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood, identifies interesting trends among youth today. Trends that, while not as prominent in the lives of adults, still are becoming more and more slowly present. One of the most significant trends she has identified changes in is that of social interaction. She remarks, I, Gen teens, are less likely to take part in every single face-to-face social activity measured across four data sets of three different age groups. These fading interactions include everything from small group or one-on-one activities such as getting together with friends to larger group activities such as parties. Today's teens are forecasting a larger trend in our culture we are less and less likely to engage with one another. The very thing we need that God created us to live into, that of personal connection and community, we are trading in for more and more technologically mediated engagement that leaves us empty, lonely, and struggling. Twenge further cites a study that correlates more time spent on Facebook among adults with lower levels of happiness. These same trends have been found among teens. Now, I don't share this to make a case for getting rid of technology, nor do I think social media is the cause of all the challenges in our world or those faced by our young people. Research like Twenge's points us to a deeper truth that is foundational to our call as Christians. We need one another. The more time we spend apart by ourselves, the more, the more we suffer. We follow a God who came in the flesh, who we need in fleshed community enacted through hospitality. We need to be face to face. We need to break bread together. We need to wipe away each other's tears. We need to sit in a room together and disagree and yet, and yet share the love of Christ with one another. We need the vulnerability witnessed on the cross shared in our own lives through the radical gift of forgiveness and grace from those we call our brothers and sisters in Christ we gather here today wrestling. Wrestling with the horrific act of violence that took the lives of children this past week. Wrestling with the horrific act of violence that took the lives of black brothers and sisters only a few weeks ago in Buffalo, New York. Wrestling with the reality that there have been at least 213 mass shootings in the first 140 days of 2022 wrestling with the fact that 321 people on average are shot in the United States every day. There are many factors that are contributing to these realities around gun violence in our country and community. Mental health Loopholes in laws, political and social divisiveness are only a few. We can feel at times powerless to change any of these things. We are not powerless. All of these factors can be changed, can be overcome through the power of God poured out through hospitality. We can only know if a brother or sister is suffering from mental health challenges and needs support if we are willing to welcome them in, to break bread together, to seek to find support for them. Equally, we have to be willing to accept the invitation. We can only know if someone is angry and experiencing unjust treatment in our world if we are willing to engage with them and welcome them. We can only find common ground and have our hearts changed around the role and realities of guns in our communities and country if we are willing to come together and invite the outsider in to listen to the disparities and challenges faced by those around us and to risk saying yes, saying yes to an invitation that will most likely feel uncomfortable This day, this day, we must. We must step out faithfully from this place, working to offer and receive the transformative hospitality of Christ that is most definitely the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Amen.